0: What do you know about that, man? <laughs> that was pretty fun. <laughs> All right.
1: What do you guys say we get going here? So, cool. I got a
0: couple of questions for Rachel. So, we're going to be talking about
1: Suki and Track It today, correct? Yeah, I guess. We can do some of that. We'll bounce around. <laughs> okay. right. We'll hit a little bit of everything. I feel and like The I... videos for Hunter Ed. I've got a. To...
2: That's the main thing for me. All right. I'm people j- Hunter Ed certified.
1: I'm oh. Jay Sweniger, host of the podcast. Lee McClellan, co host. It's good to talk to everybody. You were here not too long ago, but you're feeling no. better now.
0: Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better. Uh, good news
1: on the on the health front, so very happy. And today's guest, Rachel Crome.
2: My favorite place to be. Rachel's. <laughs> I feel like
1: I <laughs> ought to be, here. be co co-host <laughs> on the podcast as mm-hmm. well. Rachel Crome. Yeah, she's here quite a bit. No, but you're the R three branch manager. Yes. And you, we've said that before on the podcast because you've been on since you got that position, right?
2: Uh, I think once. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So just recap real quick what you do.
2: Um. So. I work with a team and we are over recruitment, retention, and reactivation, so we try to get people and keep them hunting and fishing pretty much, or if they've left, bring them back. Um, But I have Hunter Ed, uh, Archery in the Schools program, and our Learn to Hunt and Fish programs in the state.
1: And on top of getting other people into hunting and keeping them hunting, you also do a lot of hunting yourself.
2: Yeah, I love to hunt. And fish.
1: it's bow season for deer right now. Mm-hmm. Youth season just passed. Oh, I wanted to pull up those numbers that we got sent to us yesterday from Kyle Sams, the harvest totals for the year so far. Because muzzleloader's uh, coming up this weekend, and that's something we need to talk about. Because <clears throat> obviously, a lot of people will be in the woods, but also CWD restrictions, you know, in the surveillance zone. I think it's probably good to hit on that one more time and uh, if there are people listening in those five counties you know maybe we can help inform somebody of what they have to do this weekend which is mandatory check stations mm-hmm. and carcass tags have already been in place no um, bone or spinal tissue can leave the CWD surveillance zone and of course baiting is illegal in those five counties also let me see if I can pull up this email from Kyle real quick because I wanted to talk about the harvest totals so far for September archery and crossbow and then also for youth season because I remember that the youth harvest was a little bit down from last year.
2: It was really hot.
1: That's yeah. what I was going to say. I was wondering what this Indian summer has done.
2: Yeah, it was really warm. Yeah, it last was. Year, I feel like it's always kind of warm, but I took a kid on Sunday and it was really warm.
0: Mm-hmm. I had a yeah. Sunday
1: was downright hot. In yeah. The
2: <laughs> yeah, it felt like early bow season.
1: Here's the. Yeah. uh So last year, 2020, 3,139 deer during youth weekend. This year, 2,183. So. Roughly a thousand lower, a little less than a thousand lower. But if you ask me, that was, I would say all heat, because I mean it was like eighties.
2: Yeah, it was warm.
1: Yeah. I didn't even want to go hunting myself that weekend. I would have in the mornings, you know, fifties and sixties isn't too bad. But this time of year, mid October, I'm not about you know eighty five degrees, especially sitting in the sun. But and also I had another thought. You know, we got quite a bit of rain a few weeks ago, like in mid to late September. And I kind of wonder, because you know, the weather has a huge effect on harvest numbers. Kyle and all the deer biologists always say participation is the biggest driver, right? Yeah. And obviously, if it's 80 degrees out, I'd say a few less people went, but I'd also say those deer were less likely to move. I was wondering if that rain, kind of at the beginning of harvest season, could have pushed the harvest back a little bit, <clears throat> you know, because people couldn't get their combines in the field. Mm-hmm. So you know, just a, a few days of being delayed on harvest. It's a whole lot harder to be successful hunting, especially youth season, if you're looking at a standing Mm cornfield than versus a a cut one. So I wonder, and this would probably be impossible to tell, but I'd be willing to bet that there's some correlation between when the harvest starts or when they're able to start harvesting and what those early season um, numbers look like. Does that make sense at all? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think
2: on our place, like there's always still standing corn because ours is always the last to get picked Mm -hmm. because it's like the crappiest (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's for silage. Yeah. It could be for silage. You're well, like- it's
2: just like the smallest field, so it's oh, okay. like the farmer's like least concern. Okay. Um, but I think for sure that has something to do with it, because like, as soon as they pick the corn, there's always a bunch of deer in the fields. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I
1: was actually out, I went hunting last night, and they were disking the field. They combined it about a week ago, but there was this huge, you know, four by four John Deere tractor, I'm talking duals on the front and the back, pulling this huge disc across the field. And I, you know, he was going through the field right where I was wanting to hunt. And I was like, you know, probably no big deal. I I really don't think deer and wildlife pay too much attention to those tractors in the field. And just to kind of verify what I was thinking, I climbed up in the stand and he was right there in front of me and deer were coming out into the field while he was still out there. I only saw does last night and one coyote, one unlucky coyote. But, um, you know, I I think that we're right on the edge of it being really good deer hunting. And like today, the highs... 82 but then this weekend it's dropping down and we're looking at lows in the 40s then i think that's just gonna click it into click it into gear kick it off well i mean i've been seeing some pre-rut action lately like i mean i rattled in two bucks the other night there was a yearling doe that was running around the field like crazy and like a year and a half old buck that was out there chasing her around and i kind of think that's just those deer kind of feeling those feelings for the first time, if that makes any sense, and not really knowing what to do with them. And that's why you see the young bucks and the young deer kind of going crazy first. I think it's just like, what is this? You know, kind of like teenagers. Mm -hmm. But those bigger, more mature deer are probably feeling those too. They're probably just, you know, not. it's not worth it to them. They're not going to go out there and run around in the heat and be stupid because they've lived through it a few times now. But I think when this weather drops, you'll start to see... I'm not saying breeding, but I'm thinking those big bucks will start being more likely to want to go out there and be dominant and be aggressive. And if I was muzzleloader hunting this weekend, I would definitely be using a grunt call and a rattle antlers. And It's actually this weekend last year, Rachel, that Sookie came out and helped me find the deer I did shoot with a muzzleloader. Mm. And that was a rattled end deer. It was one year ago this weekend.
2: That's crazy. Time yeah. flies, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. That was really fun.
1: <laughs> so I, I'm not sure if podcast listeners know, but Sookie is your... Blood mm-hmm. dog, your deer tracking dog.
2: Tracking dog, yeah.
1: And Sookie is named after yeah,
2: Sookie Stackhouse, uh,
1: which is a, a, va- a character in a vampire novel.
2: And yeah, in a show. I don't. I guess it was. It was a novel too. too. Yeah. Because
1: I, I remember when I Googled um, Sookie Stackhouse, I saw the one from the show, but it's definitely also a novel or something like that. Yeah. So your how many tracks have you all been on this year, you and Sookie? Ooh. And Sookie's like a two and a half pound wired hair.
2: Yeah. She's 17 pounds, Trace. <laughs> Come on. Um, yes, yeah. I know what she looks like.
0: A <laughs> She's a little toy little, dog.
1: I uh, know. Well, she was about two and a half pounds the first time I, I saw how her, did, track yeah. How
0: did you figure out Suki would be a good track dog? I mean, that breed to me is kind of like, you know, I don't think of that when I think of. Oh,
1: there. Scott, Rachel's husband, Scott, told me when they first got Suki, he said, if that dog weighed, uh, well, he told me he's like, if that dog weighed 70 pounds, it'd kill every one of us. So he said, <laughs> He said the prey drive, and that dog is just off the charts. And if you think about it, when you see those little, the the wiener dog. I mean, it's a wiener dog. My sister has one named but, Henry, who's a, more of a wire hair and has the beard, but very similar to
0: Sookie. But they're mean. Well, I think. But yeah, you know, he is kind of large and in charge, and huffs around <laughs> like he runs the whole show. You know. No. And,
1: is like he's the king of the world and he's 18 inches long no that's the thing i've been bitten by plenty of wiener dogs like they'll come in there and bite my ankles like people when i walk in their houses and the dogs don't know me like it's nothing to get bit by a wiener dog like i've been (laughs) bit by 20 of them if i've been bit by 20 labs or Mm -hmm. or pit bulls or something it'd be a big story but because it's a wiener dog nobody cares but they are the most aggressive dogs and scott (laughs) says they just have the and rachel can tell you more than this he says they have the strongest prey drive, and that's why they're good tracking dogs
2: she has a crazy prey drive. I, I got her out of a hunting line, though. Okay,
1: yeah. I was I was like, wondering because per- Donnie bought her from a breeder.
2: So. I I found her out of a hunting line, and her dad was imported from Spain, I think. Lee, mom, okay. her uh, uh, mom's genes were European, but all European hunting hunting bloodline. And um, I found him like years ago, and wanted one, and Scott always said no, and then I ended up getting it. and so I don't know.
1: So he's a good little dog. She's mm-hmm. not a biter. Not no. She'll bite a deer though.
2: Yeah, she started started like just this year. So started, is she
1: short hair or wire?
2: She's a wire hair. She'll start really grabbing like the hind end of deer and like tugging on them, almost like you like you know how coyotes like eat the hams out first. Mm-hmm. Same deal. She starts plucking hair and like. Getting she's all just crazy. trying to drag it off. Yeah, <laughs> she's funny.
0: That's funny. She is crazy. Well, when she came to my office, she checked out everything. Went behind her and <laughs> sounded like a little pig back there, <laughs> just <laughs> sniffing every, she wanted every scent to be known. And yeah. Fun. She's, but she's sweet.
2: She is sweet. I think the coolest part about tracking dogs is there's like so many different breeds that do it. Like my good friend, we trained a bunch together. She runs a lab. Natalie. Um. Yeah, Natalie runs, I mean, she runs a lab. There's guys that will run bloodhounds, Bavarian scent hounds. Um, I mean, there's a girl, there's a gal, she's over all the judging for UBT. She lives in Oklahoma, and she literally literally runs a pug mix. So, I mean, I think if you could a do pug. some, it's I a I just pug can't mix. see a
1: pug out there after either. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, I think a... Brutus. Beat. I think beagles would be a great well, breed for this. Beagles yeah. do it too. I, I, if you could train a beagle to like forget about rabbits mm-hmm. and focus on blood, because mm-hmm. they're—I mean—they're made to track. Right. And yeah. They're, they, I think they'd be really good Have at it. Have you
0: tried? You tried? I tried you?
1: to get Hunter going on that when I first got him, and I—I I put him on one track, and he did pretty good. He took us a lot further than than we made it on our own, <clears throat> but then you know. Cottontail had crossed the path somewhere and Hunter took off. And- well, that's what I mean. That's his major. Yeah. yeah you know, I'm not going to take him away from
0: one you. Should you should bring up, him. So, going to be a guest on the podcast again. He's that been on cool. before one time. Yeah. He you was with me one time. He laid right here beside me. Didn't have a lot to say. No. He uh, slept. He snoozed. It is- he was like going. <laughs> <laughs> you get hear him in the background.
1: <laughs> I love that dog, man. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. yeah he's, a, he's a great little dog.
2: It is. It is really cool to see like the different dogs that do it though.
1: So how many how many tracks have you been on anything I, interesting or I know you went on one with me and I hate bringing down your average I'm sorry about it's that it's okay
2: look you know. I don't pay attention to average really uh, because it is what it is like we're just gonna go do our best
1: a lot of times the deer is still alive and I mean most
2: most of the time but the problem is if a hunter finds them later there's no way to really tell if the deer was alive when we were tracking it or mm. if it died later on you know yeah. Um, but we've recovered eight this year, just pretty good. Um, we've been on a bunch of tracks, jumped one live one, didn't recover it the next day. That was a really big bummer. Um, and I've just learned that, uh, I think the biggest thing I've learned this year is, it is crazy like how long a deer can live if they're hitting the guts. Mm-hmm. And like, I've been seeing a lot of posts like on Realtree put out this saying like, minimum 10 hours for gut shots. And I like think that's wrong. I think it should be double that, probably. My
1: rule of thumb, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, but if I'm, and this might, I mean, I want to tie this in to be useful for your average deer hunter too. And so my rule of thumb is, if it's a one lung shot, I'm thinking six hours. If it's a, a two lung shot or a heart shot, I'm probably going to give it half an hour, but it's not going to take that. The liver shot, I'm looking six to eight hours, and that's one I really don't want to push personally because. Those liver shot deer are always going to be done in about six to eight hours, but if you bump them, they can go far. Mm-hmm. So I just give them that time. Then a gut shot—I've always heard twenty-four. Yeah. But I've also heard twelve. And twelve
2: to twenty-four. <clears throat> it really depends on if you're high in the guts, low in the guts, and the angle, especially archery equipment and mm-hmm. and gun. Obviously, that cuts the time down too. Um, but I mean, really, chase like one lung shot deer can live. They can survive that. It's insane. Like, um, it's just wild you mm-hmm. know and then sometimes if you nick the guts just right and it's low they'll die pretty quickly i think if you That's center up last year yeah if you center up a a liver um and like the main lobe they typically die pretty quick but if you just nick the liver and get guts it, it maybe 24 hours or longer
1: yeah you hey, um, know what's a what's the saying uh when in doubt back out
2: yeah and yeah. i i think the hard part too is like people get worried like oh my deer's gonna spoil i need to hurry up and get it well. If it's not dead, all you're gonna do is bump it, so you're not you're not helping your situation. But regardless, your best option if you don't know is just to get on UnitedBloodTrackers.org and just find your track, find a tracker close mm-hmm. to you, and contact them. I mean, they're going on so many. I think I've probably been on 20 something tracks this year. Um, we're going on a bunch of tracks a year. A
1: year. Well, if you think it's- about, it, you've been on 20 at this point, and the only non-archery season that we've had is youth season. Yeah. I mean, I think we still have 80% of our deer harvest in front of us, Right. you know? I mean, yeah, what's our September total here? I got the numbers, September harvest total. This year, we're at 6,063 deer. So what do we normally get a year? About 140,000 or something like that? Yeah. So we're still looking at like 90% of our harvest is in front of us. So I would say if you've already gone on 20 tracks that you could set yourself up for two hundred phone calls this year. <laughs> yeah.
2: I did forty-seven last year, um, and I think I'll just we'll just continue to keep getting busier and busier. Yeah. But, um, but the main thing is just know your local tracker and be in contact with them. And if you have questions like that, that as a like a hunter, regardless, of I never tracked before. That's who I would go to for my information on how long to wait or whatever else. I wouldn't just be like randomly posting to the internet or just random hunt. Well, there's a like, lot
1: of internet experts and nothing yes. out there. Yeah. yeah,
2: and they don't know. And it's like to no fault of theirs, but they're not tracking a bunch of deer every year too. Uh, you right? know,
1: people like to, it's just like their farm. Like people hunt their farm. Let's say it's a hundred acres, right? And you're hunting there and, and you're seeing something and you're like, well, that's what it is. You know, you see, uh, like I saw a little bug chasing doe the other day, all ruts on. And you know what I mean? <laughs> people post that little, they take their little snapshot. And they uh, apply it to everything, to everything. and mm-hmm. give it, you know, the advice to other people. Same thing with with tracking a deer is you might have experienced this one time, and now that's your rule of thumb in your mind, but it doesn't apply to most situations probably. Yeah. But you know, you always want to make a good shot and not have to worry about it. But unfortunately, things happen. And muzzleloader season coming up, I'm sure that a lot of people will be in the woods, and hopefully that advice comes in handy for somebody. Yeah. And then we got modern firearm season, which is about a month away, a month away from this Saturday, I thought I believe. Mm-hmm. so that'll be the big one and i'm really looking forward to that i'm basically this is my favorite time of year to deer hunt period mid-october through the first week in november is my favorite time of year but typically it's a lot cooler than it is right now yeah and so i'm i'm checking the weather every day I'll probably check it like five or six times a day and i'm looking at those highs and lows for the you know next week and i'm seeing a few things that i'm really excited about there
2: is it supposed to rain this weekend
1: yeah i know it's supposed to rain tomorrow it's like 90 percent chance tomorrow yeah you're thinking mm-hmm. about that for tracking reasons also. But yeah. the the rain really doesn't hurt Suki too much, does it?
2: No, um I'll actually I'm not tracking this weekend. I'll be gone, but um I was just curious for like people getting out and hunting. Mm-hmm. No, like a, obviously we don't want like a crazy washout, but like really like cool um damp and like no wind is like ideal tracking conditions. Yeah, damp. So, yeah.
0: Damp and no winds ideal.
2: Mhm. Hot windy, wow. not good. Um, there was even... I thought
0: a- damp... Why, why does damp help? It
1: holds a mixture, uh,
2: it holds, uh, scent. So it holds a
1: scent? mm mm-hmm. yeah. Like I know a rabbit- rain
0: doesn't wash it off.
2: Mm-mm. It might move the scent. I mean, I think a straight goalie washer would, but... Um, like a heavy,
0: hard thunderstorm would...
2: Like a half... Like, I would say... I want to say half inch. Yeah. In a little bit of time. Or more. Yeah. Right? But yeah. just a tiny bit of rain shouldn't hurt anything. Hmm. Yeah. So...
0: So damp is... It holds... It's good.
2: Yeah. It's better for them. Like, they're, like, just what the dog can smell to. I was listening to another tracker from Michigan on a podcast, and he was saying, like, uh, middle of the day, high-pressure days, you might as well just wait until the evening. It's like...
0: Well, that's no good for anything. Bluebird high-pressure is no good for hunting, no good for fishing, no good for anything. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I I thought that was interesting. I've never, I haven't paid attention to that on any of my stuff, but... So,
0: a damp, cloudy day is much better than a hot, sunny one.
2: Yep.
1: I know the no rabbit, rabbit guys really like those damn days. When mm-hmm. the dew's on in the morning, there's mm-hmm. dew on the ground, and those rabbit guys are excited to run their beagles. Yeah. And that's, I mean, they just say they can smell a lot better, and they can tell a pretty obvious difference. So it'd be crazy to have a dog's nose, you know? Right. I know. I think I'd hate it. I was going to say,
0: <laughs> some of the smells I pick up with my human nose mm-hmm. disgust me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine that being magnified.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It'd oh, sucky. Wild. If I, funny. if I was hunting right now rachel i mean have you been in the woods lately uh
2: i hunted on saturday morning then i tracked saturday night and then i took a kit on sunday
1: okay did you guys have any luck
2: no we didn't see a deer sunday morning and then but sunday night she hunted in a tree stand with me for the first time and we saw like six or seven long beards and one little deer we uh and i was like oh we'll just wait it was, Mm-hmm. maybe a bigger one will come out
1: <laughs> we reposted <laughs> your uh, segment with Campbell, Chad's daughter, on Facebook the Friday before season came in and uh, got a lot of good feedback on that there's some good advice given in that segment yeah. we also get the comments, you know, people ask us like, wasn't this film last year? I saw this before and people, <laughs> so I, I explained it to one guy on Facebook, but I'll, I'll say it here too, like, when we go out and film something, well, youth season's two days long, right? Mm-hmm. so if we go out and film it, we can't turn it around and get it ready until youth season's already gone is already over so we're kind of highlighting an opportunity that's passed and what's the point in that so a lot of times we'll take those segments like for a short season like youth deer season and we'll reuse those ahead of the season next the the next year and that's how you really get best use out of it like we don't like intend to run reruns but we do think that that's the way to make the best use of the of the information you know like, and we'll do the same things for loader. Modern firearm season long is long enough where we can usually get it out while the season's still going on. And of course, rabbit season, all fishing opportunities. You know, but that's one reason that usually in our show, we have three segments. It's a magazine style show. We have two, mm-hmm. three segments. The first two, we always shoot to be new. And the third one is a timely rerun that highlights an opportunity that's coming up around the corner. Mm-hmm. And we kind of think that's the way to, you know, make the best use of, I agree. of our show. Um, I was going to say, when I was asking you if you hunted, Rachel, I was gonna ask you kind of what your tactics were and I was kind of gonna go into mine. I am seeing acorns hitting the ground. Yeah, me mm-hmm. um, too. And I've, I've heard a lot of people say that they're seeing deer on red oaks already too, like pin oaks and whatnot. Hmm. It seems a little early to me for that, but I guess it kind of- So is white oak drop. bad? White oak is, is what's good early. That's okay. what
2: we yeah, hunted Saturday. <clears throat>
0: Are the white oaks bad this year?
2: No, um, we, um, I say we, Scott found one, I hunted with him Saturday. And oh, we they saw, they like, turn to red yet. oaks
0: when the white oaks are exhausted, correct?
2: Yeah. Well, the
1: white oaks, when they hit the ground, or Cody Roden came on the podcast and told us this, a small game biologist, but yeah. the white oaks, when they hit the ground, are immediately edible, and the red oaks, they have a lot of tannin in them. Yeah, and
0: then when it leaches out, I guess it's more palatable.
1: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. palatable then. And Chad had an interesting, do you, you know, I probably shouldn't speculate, but Chad was talking to me about the tannins in the red oaks mm-hmm. the other day, and he said that he notices that a lot of the grass dies around the base of the red oaks when the acorns start falling, and he he was he was just asking me if I thought that could be the tannins leaching out, killing the grass and and you know other vegetation around the base of them, and if that would give the acorn a higher chance to germinate, if uh, hmm. if it didn't have competition. Well, I have well, that's speculation, him. but I wonder what the point of the tannins is, because you know there's some kind of biological reason for hmm. it. Everything that well, just
0: like when when uh, Cody was on there with us and yeah. you know the, the trees know instinctively sometimes if they're if they're. Producing a lot, and they're attracting a lot of squirrels and other animals that eat the nuts. That section of trees will have a couple of mass failures, just to keep the predators and the squirrels to move to another stand. You it's know, just amazing. You know the, the really, that the
1: trees would know that. The really interesting thing about that is how they communicate. Yeah, I mean, it's my. It's a tree. have you have you all looked into like I, my girlfriend Kristen, she's a big mushroom nut, like she the edible kinds and. And so she's always out taking pictures and trying to learn mushrooms. And I never really paid much attention until probably a year ago. But learning about mushrooms and how they work is really crazy. Mm. And how they kind of form a web between, um, especially trees, you know, because each, each type of mushroom is going to have a set of host plants that it kind of works in. And, um, you know, they, it's they don't use the tree but they kind of provide benefit what's a symbiotic they have a symbiotic yeah. relationship where they get certain things from the tree the tree gets certain things for them and one of the things that the tree gets is a is a network where they can communicate somehow I have no idea how the messages get back and forth but somehow trees can kind of sync up using the mycelium which is the underground portion of mushrooms and fungus. So you
0: think that's how they
1: do it? Oh, that's hundred percent how they do it. I was I mean, I've watched so many I actually watched an old Kentucky Field episode with Tim Farmer where he had a mushroom expert on and I watched that last night. Um and it's definitely mycelium that connects to the tree roots. The tree roots get, you know, kind of more oxygen and more water because of the network and the uh the funguses get what they need as well. So oh you know, when you're seeing a mushroom, all you're seeing is the fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the bulk of that is under the ground. But mycelium is pretty interesting. Easily, I mean, the biggest living organism on Earth is a is a mushroom an organ. It's like I can't remember. It's like thousands of square acres. It's one mushroom underground. The mycelium mm. Anyway, I think the mushrooms are, are fascinating. That's fascinating. I've yeah. learned a lot about them. I actually tried eating a puffball mushroom the other day. I've oh, I stepped. I used to, every time I see my pop step on them, because poof, you know, it's got a cool. Yeah, one. It's, it's fun, but you don't want to eat one. That's going I was going to
0: gonna say, was it worse than a persimmon? That's not no, not
1: right. So I watched uh, a YouTube video. So this year I've tried chanterelle, which is really good. I've tried chicken of the woods, which is really good. And the third I've had both those. The third one to try was a giant puffball. And I, we did our research, you know, you don't just want to go eating mushrooms, like you want yeah. to know what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, some
0: of them can like kill
1: you. Yeah, there's a couple around here and that's one of the ones. So a, a, a giant puffball mushroom is that just big white ball that you're thinking of, right, mm-hmm. that if people see, usually they grow in clearings and things like that. But a, a destroying angel is, a, is another species of mushroom that we have here. And when they are first coming out of the ground, they're a little, little white ball. And then they form into a mushroom with a with a cap on them. But that one's called the destroying angel, and it if you eat it, there's nothing modern medicine can do for you. And it's you're a, dead. It's eighty percent fatal. So you're not necessarily dead, but well, that's pretty high. <laughs> good. What's what's like a snake bite? Do you know the percentage? Oh, I'd say survival? that's probably pretty low. I think that most of your, you, and know, like I said, I don't want to guess, but most of your snake bites are going to depend on allergies. Yeah. Um, like a copperhead, from what I've heard, really isn't dangerous unless you have an, a, an allergic reaction to it. And most people have no idea if they're allergic to it or not.
0: Yeah. You don't, well, I got bit by a copperhead when I was five. Boy, that thing fired me up,
1: you know. That, that, yeah. You know, I sure hear too many people saying that. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, snake bites, if rattlesnakes, definitely a little bit worse off, like, you know, stories of people who have died from rattlesnake bites. But I don't think that there's been a single person in modern times that's died from a rattlesnake bite that, sucked, that seeked medical attention. Yeah. All those people are ones in the churches um, who didn't get medical help. Oh so, idea. Yeah, so that's that's the only documented cases of people dying from rattlesnake bites, I think. But I would have to check. Mushrooms are cool though. But the giant puffball mushroom, cut it up uh into little steak sections and I actually just coated it with olive oil and a little salt and a little pepper and just threw it on the grill. <clears throat> I did like five minutes on each side, it came off with burn marks on it and it was good. It was a little bit softer than um than Chicken of the Woods and the chanterelles were. And then when I watched that video last night with Farmer, he was with Tim Farmer, he was talking about cooking them and he said it's a breakfast mushroom, and he uh, he compared it the texture to scrambled eggs, hmm. which was pretty accurate. Whereas like the chanterelles and the chicken of the woods, they're more of like a almost like a chicken strip or a, mm-hmm. a thin slice of steak or other Portobello. Meat. yeah, portobello. I love portabella. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a we big... found
2: a bunch of chicken of the woods. Becky oh. and I did. We, great.
1: we grill a
0: lot of portobello mushroom heads, and mm. strip the the uh, ribs and then a little real real mozzarella, mm. little olive oil, basil, good, and some tomatoes. So there's two. And then grill those,
1: God, they're great. There's two types of chicken of the woods. There's the one, it's like, I can't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm gonna get this wrong. One of them's like a Cincinnatus and the other one is another name of it. I can't remember what the other one is, but the one with the white underside is supposed to be a little bit more palatable. It's supposed to be the better tasting of the two. And there's one that has a yellow or an orange underside mm. and that one's supposed to be a little bit t- like doesn't quite taste as good but that's the one i cooked the other night i didn't try it Kristen said it was great it's the one with the yellow underside so chicken of the woods we is well worth it i i wish more people would take interest in mushrooms because i mean it's like foraging is kind of cool it's like it's almost like hunting or fishing it's just a little bit different you know it's a little bit more dangerous too so you prefer, yeah. you know yeah people
0: want to know what species of mushrooms they're eating though they'd be you know
1: you definitely need to You do don't want to go out there and just grab one either. So before we got yeah. off on so that. How, so the puffball was decent? Yeah. you Just the thing about the giant puffball mushrooms is when you and cut. And they taste like scrambled eggs. Uh, I wouldn't say they have that texture. Same yeah. texture. That's a lot of chicken in the woods. Rachel has a picture. Wow. Of <clears throat> I've seen those. Sure. I didn't know they were called chicken in the woods. That
2: whole bag was full too. Oh, they're,
1: they're great. Those are very good mushrooms. Mm-hmm. But the. Um,
2: oh, those were white underside. I was thinking they were yellow, but they were yeah, white. the
1: white ones are the better of the two. The, the giant puffballs you when you cut them in half you you just want them to be solid white in the middle if they have any coloration on the inside that means they might them. be they're past prime just toss them but solid white in the middle is good but the one thing you also want to look for is if it looks like there's a the shape of a mushroom inside of the mushroom those are the you don't want to eat that at all because those are the ones that are going to turn into destroying angels which you know you know anything called a destroying angel you probably probably don't, want to, don't eat. want to eat yeah yeah but before we got off on that I was kind of getting that what i would be hunting right now or what i am hunting and i was going to see if rachel agreed with me here like acorns is Mm -hmm. the one we were talking about that's how we got off on the mushroom Mm -hmm. kick there um white oaks especially but it sounds like some red oaks are producing the other day so i checked out a white oak today wasn't a mushroom under the tree or a mushroom wasn't an acorn under the tree wasn't an acorn on the tree but there's also a white oak across from my deer stand it's about 200 yards away and i've been in it the past two nights and every night there's six to eight does underneath that tree. Feeding? Yeah. So, and it's actually my the deer stand I set up this year, Rachel, I just hung it last Saturday. Cuz when they combined the crops out there, it opened up new access and the opportunity for me. So I said I'm going to get in the vantage point where I can see more. And I'm actually my deer stand is hung directly above the tree that I shot my buck last year from with the muzzleloader. And all those does are coming out exactly where that buck I shot last year with the muzzleloader came out. So, I haven't seen any b- good bucks over there or bucks period, but I know they're there. And that that tree sitting right on the edge of a woodlot, and I'm assuming that half those acorns are falling in that woodlot, probably more because we've had a south wind here recently, and that south wind's going to blow those acorns that direction. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that bucks are probably hitting it nocturnally, or they're just hanging out in the woods and eating the acorns they can get to without having to you know, come out to the open field. But acorns, uh, scrapes, I have seen some good fresh scrapes recently. And that's always a a good money spot, especially if you know you have a big buck in the area. I mean, they're probably gonna work those scrapes every one to two days, might be nocturnally, but you can count on them coming through that area quite a bit. So that's always a good place to start. Rubs, I have been seeing a lot of good rubs. Have you seen some good rubs, Rachel? Mm
2: -hmm. Scrapes mainly, but yeah, Yeah. some rub action.
1: And then of course, funnels are always a hot spot, Mm -hmm. especially when deer activity is picking up because they're gonna be moving back and forth all the time and so acorns, or persimmons are ripe now too so if you can find some persimmons i would have a hard time i love persimmons i mean as long as they're ripe
0: yeah but yeah an unripe persimmon is i've gotten that trick played
1: on me now so. me too that's a good trick to play on people I think. I did it a couple you learned? years
2: ago it was terrible
1: oh it just it's like you're at the dentist and they injected your tongue with novocaine no no oh,
2: mine was chalk it felt like it <laughs> yeah. opened like a chalk and, and it, like just dumped it in my mouth it
1: just, yeah, no. for me it's like my tongue was just numb i couldn't taste or feel anything that's what that tannin does if you ever want to see what tannin tastes like don't eat an acorn because i've heard those are are not good for people but you can uh try unripe persimmon and probably you'll know split. all about it yeah yep That's where I'd be hunting right now. Well, I I was going to say if I am deer hunting, but yeah, I'm deer hunting. I've been hunting pretty much every day. And I'm telling you, Lee, I'm feeling pressure. I don't know why, but this time of year, I just feel like there's something inside me pulling me to go be successful at deer hunting. It's like...
2: You feel like well, you're, it's like escaping every day that Well, goes and you also
0: this is your
1: favorite time, so you feel Waiting. like you yeah. know, do it now and you wait, then you're going to miss it. It's out. something about this time of year. I just feel like I have to be in the woods. And, uh, you know, the fall is a little bit behind schedule right mm-hmm. now compared to couple what it should weeks, be. A couple weeks, really. Things uh, like. Mm-hmm. Kristen sent me a picture yesterday she took on her hiking. and will uh, over 80 today. It's crazy. 82 today. But she took on her hiking at the same exact place yesterday that she took him a year ago today. And she took a picture of them in the same spot and sent me both of them. And last year it was like, the you know leaves were covering the ground. All the trees were different colors, and this year it looked like a summer day yeah. with a couple of dried up leaves on the ground. So we're we're way behind, which isn't isn't the best. But right now I just feel like I have to be in the woods because it's one of those times of year where it can happen at any moment. You know, any morning, any evening, you could you could get lucky, and all it's going to take is that buck. You know, making they're they're moving more now, and they're starting to be more territorial, so you got a better chance. And I just feel like I have to be out there deer hunting. And I'm missing out on a lot of good fishing to do so.
0: I know a lot of people, I was talking to one of my best friends Monday night, and he was like, I was like, man, we need to go this and that. He's like, man, until, uh, until deer's over, I, I, just, I can't do that. Yeah. It's like, okay, so we're going to go in early December.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, as soon as I, I get my buck tag punched, it's going to be straight to the streams or the river, or something like that for me, probably a creek or a the river because for the reports I've been getting are the creeks are fishing really really good right now and the river the rivers should be fishing good and I've even gotten really good reports on lake fishing Hmm. Uh, apparently the topwater bite has been the best people we got a call from a guide yesterday and he said best topwater bite he's ever seen and that was on Dale. Wow. So I'm assuming that Cumberland and Laurel would probably be pretty similar and it has to have something to do with this weather. Getting a little mm. bit cooler nights, but also hotter days. So I'm I wonder
0: sh- what this major front this weekend is going to do to
1: everything. I don't know. We're looking to go musky. highs in the forties. Is a Yeah, the, that'll muskie should turn on next week. We're muskie fishing next week. Yeah, we're buck hunting and we're muskie fishing for the show next well, week. Mike Harden
0: already says, once those nighttime temperatures drop below fifty in the fall, that's when you want to. You give
1: on. away Mike's tips. He might come kneecap you no, later. <laughs> I've, I've said this it. on there before. <laughs> he told us on there before. Yeah. Mike though, he's secretive. Oh, I know. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you where he goes, because he's,
0: I mean, one day I was with him, and that's the biggest musk I've ever seen. It came up right at the boat and swiped at him. I mean, the head on it looked like a damn cow. Really? It's a big chucklehead. I was like, Mike! He, he caught a 50-inch earlier that morning. Really? Oh, that's, that's really that's cool. A, that's that day when he was it.
1: we used a picture in the magazine. But. I, um, yeah, I, I would love to be on muskie fishing right now. Musky fishing, smallmouth fishing. I'd love fishing. to be out any fishing. Yeah, that's Blue what I'm island. saying. I really am like hurting a little bit on the inside from not being able to fish right now because it's these kind of days. This like, is
0: when we slayed hybrids last year,
1: but earlier, but the first of October. Yeah, is October is a great month for the hybrids. It's really the water temperatures because right now, even though it's 80 degrees out, those nights are cooler. So the water temperature, I mean, you walk out into a creek is right now. Is the river now, low? I'd have to check. But I'm, I'm looking have at like... Have you liking. seen it driving by? Have you looked? I haven't. I try to avoid driving through there. Well, that's to be Good idea. one of them's a toll bridge and the other one's a traffic nightmare. So. Well, I mean, that, that's called Spaghetti
0: Junction. They said it was going to make it better. I think it made it worse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't yeah. you? I try to avoid driving across the river. If I'm going, it's two fish. And like I said, I haven't been fishing. So... Mm-hmm. I need to go. But, like, if you walk out into a creek right now, if we were to go down here to Elkhorn and we were to wade out into the creek, the air temperature might be the same thing that it was back in July. Mm-hmm. That water temperature is going to be a lot cooler. Oh, yeah, the evenings going <laughs> to suck that heat out there. And so it would just be a perfect time of year to be out there waist-deep in the creek, no if doubt. you ask me. Because it would just be perfectly comfortable. And so I, I would love to be out there doing that. The fish are biting. That's what, if I could be doing anything besides deer hunting right now, I would be fishing. But, like I said, I just feel... Some drive, some pull to go fill that buck tag, and it's not like I'm not stressed yet. You know, I'm still having fun, but it's uh, it's getting there. Well, it'll happen. Yeah, it would. I would feel a lot more confident if I'd been seeing any good bucks. I'm getting stressed for fall smallmouth on
0: Cumberland, feeling that jig go to the left slowly you reel down and it doesn't move at all when drag screams
1: immediately <laughs> I do love that's that. what I'm in the mood for yeah that, that was a good description <laughs> it
0: was good well, when it was you set that hook person. and it doesn't move
1: you're like uh oh
0: and it's still moving but you can't move it's like oh boy and that's when the heart starts I love it <laughs> <laughs> it's the best feeling in the world when you that anticipation of god it's gonna
1: yeah, you know, I'm, I go back and forth on it. How do I like catching fish more? Like, it's really fun to reel in a swim bait or something mm-hmm. like that and just have it get hammered and destroyed and fishes on. But it's also really fun. I I might like jig fishing more just because I can feel the bite and the anticipation before mm-hmm. I set the hook. That's, yeah,
0: no doubt. I don't know. I I'm a jig guy at heart. But I'm, you've turned me on to the swim bait. I like it a lot. Well, I mean, I, But, you know, we called those boot-tail gruds back in the day in the sassy shed. I mean, that style of bait's been around a long
1: time. I always, i probably tell people, like, if I, I don't tell people this because I never have conversations like this away from the podcast Mm because nobody really cares. But, um, like, I'm not going to be like, yeah, I'm a jig guy. I really like (laughs) him. But no, I feel like that's who I am. But then when I'm throwing a swim bait or a fluke or something and it just gets destroyed, I'm, you know, I'm so excited about that. No no doubt. I'm not going to knock one or the other as long as you're fishing. As long as you're fishing. Hey, do you know anything about trout stocking schedules? I know those, it should be that time of year, shouldn't
0: it? Um... I might, yes. I
1: might look that up. For the Fins Lakes? No, uh, Fins Lakes, for, Otter Creek. Um, all well, the, well, the
0: delayed harvest has started, so yes, it should be. Yeah, because they're going to be putting those delayed harvest fish in. I'm going to look that up. I catch if and will, release. Catch and release. We
2: were they the waiting because of uh, the weather?
1: Um, I'm not sure, but that's a good point. Well,
0: there's been some issues, but they, they may have been resolved in the spring. There were some ha-
1: little few issues at the hatchery with production. Mm. so i'm on the fw.ky.gov website just typed in trout stocking in the search bar and it took me straight to it so let's see uh october 19th travel creek that's yep so it looks like october' bands. October 19th i mean next tuesday is when they're gonna start yep do you like floyd's fork yep there's a whole list on here i mean ne- next tuesday they're hitting Allen County, Warren County, Trigg County, Simpson County, Fayette County, Fayette County, mm-hmm. Fayette County Jackson County, Knott County. Yeah, Fayette. a
0: lot of these are the uh, delayed or catch and release
1: streams. It looks like they're stocking next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and it then can. again next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday the following week. Yeah, so they're cranking them, yep. Trout stocking uh, So going. if you
0: want to hit some, of the, they're in the fishing guide. I think there's 14, if memory serves correctly, delayed or catch and release streams across the state. It's great, because mm-hmm. you can't harvest until next March yeah so you so,
2: can't keep any of those
0: no you have to release everything so you'll get cool. some holdover fish and it's a lot of fun yeah it's okay. is a lot of fun I th- is it
1: april 1st that it's catch and keep
0: uh march one march except 1? for swift camp creek and it's may one But okay. yeah, it's october one to march one so right now, no march 31 march
1: yeah it was, was april 1st, yeah, is, april, 1st is, april, april 1st is when you can
0: start keeping those fish
1: yeah yeah so i mean there's trout stocking so they'll be growing
0: all all winter so it'd be a good time to
1: and some they of those some places for you can probably look it up on the website somewhere some of those places get bigger trout too it's like they used to like your average um, trout, i know
0: the gorge was getting some bigger ones for a while it's, it's like one day. out of
1: every five trout that's stocked is going to be a 15 inch or yeah. something like that
0: to help improve angler satisfaction i yeah. think they're still doing
1: that yeah well that i mean trout, trout stocking schedule that's good to look at fishing should be on fire pretty much everywhere mm-hmm. now exactly. it's, it might be different one place or another based on you know, what kind of a feeder creek or stream is feeding in there and what the water temperature coming in is like or, you know. But just based on our nighttime temperatures right now and all the fishing reports that we've been getting, I'd say that it's probably pretty good. Jameson actually just produced a new uh, fishing report. You know, we put those on YouTube every... Well, we put them on YouTube whenever they're done each week, but they go on Facebook every Friday. Hmm. And so we go around the state and get a biologist to tell us what the fishing's like in their district. We highlight three districts a week, so... I kind of watch robber. it, yeah. But, you know, that's actually what you're looking at, Lee.
0: Your lure right here. I'd be putting that in my tackle box.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's caught on my shirt most time. Uh, I have a old jerk bait that's missing a treble hook. I actually found this in a tree while I was. That's a nice. Somewhere. That's a Rapala, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I find a lot of lures out there, and I'm one of those people that if I see a lure like 10 foot up in a tree off the bank where somebody casts it just up into the branches, I'm like, oh, I can get that.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know. Go down to the fish lab. There's some. They used to take pride. They'd have bookshelves lined with lures they found while doing sampling. Really? Oh, crankbaits, expensive crankbaits. I mean, dozens.
1: That's really cool. Carrie
0: Prather was really into it because they'd see him in the trees when they were
1: sampling. You'd be like, well, yeah, you got to clean it up, man. Let's just Heck clean yeah. up the creek right there. Mm-hmm. Let me see. I'm gonna look through my notes real quick. Been hunting hard. Um, hunting results for the other seasons. KYLF. Oh, Kyle's an email. Uh, went over muzzleloader. Oh, we did a deboning video for the show. Um, have either one of you guys had a chance to watch that yet? No. So we produced a how to debone or process a deer in the field video. Uh, me and Chad went out and harvested a deer and, and shot that and produced that. And the goal going into it, because there's, there's deboning and how to process videos all over the internet, mm-hmm. if, you go, if you look at one that's really detailed, it's, it's an hour long. And if you look at one of the shorter ones, if you watch one of the shorter ones, I don't think that the, most of them went into enough detail for somebody to actually follow the process. So the goal going into it was to create the most concise how-to debone a process video that we could while still enabling people that they could take that video and use it as a tool, go out there and actually do it themselves. And as I was producing that video, I, I had several people watch it who aren't hunters. And I basically asked them during the video, do you think you could do this? And everybody said yes. And I feel pretty good about it. All the feedback's been good. So if somebody's interested in learning how to process their own deer Mm -hmm. in the field or debone a deer, it's a really good resource. It's on the Kentucky Field Face or YouTube channel and the Department of Fish and Wildlife YouTube channel. And the reason that we specifically did that video was because of the CWD surveillance zone. Mm -hmm. Because now it's required to have your meat deboned if you're leaving. oh that's a good area so all those people in those five counties in the cwd surveillance zone cannot take that deer out of that that those five counties unless there's no bone or spinal tissue included whatsoever so that's why we produced the video when we did but i I do think it's a really good resource so i was wanting to kind of point people towards that it won't be on Mm -hmm. the tv show or anything you know because it's it's not really for a broad-based audience. It's not like everybody who watches Kentucky Field needs to know how to debone a deer.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. But, you know, it's a resource for the people who do need to know that to be able to look it up on their own. So, you know, sometimes the TV audience, you know... It's different. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, we got kind of the, you know, people just looking for something to watch and they don't necessarily want to see a deer being, you know, processed. But it's a good resource and it's on YouTube along with some other good resources. I know that the agency's Facebook page, the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife, or no, YouTube page, they've been putting a lot of new content out specifically related to the CWD surveillance zone. So carcass tag information, um, kind of what to expect at the check stations, which are required for muzzleloader and modern firearm seasons in those five counties. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, there's a lot of good resources out there. I would encourage people to go check those out. Well, Rachel, what about your Hunter Ed videos? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, so, Thank goodness this year we got approval. So now we have a couple options for hunter ed in the state. Um, so if you go to fw.ky.gov and then you can just click on education and then hunter education, or you just search hunter education, um, couple options. So you can go to a full in-person courses and there uh, is a schedule listed um, throughout the state. You can take your class portion online and attend just the range day or you can still do a video range day. So all that really entails is you doing the online course. um, And we have instructions on that page too. So everybody, you need to go there first, but um, you do the online course and then you get somebody that is um, either hunter ed certified or over a certain age to go out with you and be your mentor. And uh, you follow our steps of Doing just a range day and submitting it to so, us via video.
1: So who needs to be hunter ed certified? What's the date? It's like January first, nineteen seventy five. Jan- seventy five. So any, anybody anybody born on or after January first, nineteen seventy five. I think it's actually written in the regs, like the exempt so it's written two seventy four, like thirty December thirty first of seventy four. Mm-hmm. But anybody born on or after January first, nineteen seventy five needs to be hunter ed certified. And is that to hunt anything in the state of Kentucky? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so if somebody's looking to, or they're saying, hey, that's youth too. So this past youth season, people would have needed to know that, but with muzzleloader and modern firearm season coming up for deer, which is our most popular season for anything in the state, mm-hmm. people need to know to be hunter ed certified.
0: That's I think I got,
1: I got certified back when I was like 12 years old at Camp Wallace.
0: I got it at Camp Curry. i yeah.
1: still got my card in here. And
2: I did it at Camp Wallace too.
1: So we all were campers who, who did it there. That's probably the most convenient way to do it. But I love Camp Curry, God, I look forward to it. Driving a boat i caught a
0: sauger on a dough ball or no a minnow, from yeah. the bank right there. Oh, yeah. did cool. i tell you that story yeah, I've heard no one knew
1: what it was every counselor he found out, he said, it's a sauger i never caught one before and the uh there is a one-year exemption
2: mm-hmm. you um, can only buy that one time yeah, spot one,
1: one yeah. year one-time exemption mm-hmm. <clears throat> and are there any special regs that go with the exemption
2: with the exemption you have to hunt with someone with a
1: hunter ed certification. Yeah.
2: certification yeah you can't just go out on your own
1: and that, so. all that can be found on the website too. Cause I, I have had to point a few people towards the exemption. And, you know, they're wanting to go hunting this weekend and they realize they don't have their hunter yeah. ed. And I'm, well, you know, luckily there is a way when for you does, to, yeah. to still yeah. hunt this year, but you need to get it taken care of by next year. And that's yeah. as easy as the hunter ed process is now, like what were the different ways you just said somebody could do it?
2: You can do it in person. You can do, you can do the whole class in person. So you can do the coursework in person and then do your range in person. You can do the coursework via the internet, and we have a few different class options listed. Um, and then you could do like go to a physical range day that we have throughout the state, or you can do your coursework online and then submit a video range day to us.
1: If somebody, I'm just going to do this real quick. If somebody got on the Department of Fish and Wildlife website you and can. typed in "hunter ed," it pops right up. It pops up hunter education right there. First, yeah. first answer or the first result. And here it is. it gives me uh, all the links and all the information effective march first nineteen ninety one all hunters born on or after january first nineteen seventy five so yep yeah, there's uh links to in person and online and the video range right there so it's really easy to do
2: yep, but if you have any questions, call us like obviously we want to help people we want. Uh, all of you guys to get hunter ed certified and go hunting this
1: year. No doubt. Yeah. yeah and it gives uh, contact info here. So region one, Western Kentucky, it says contact Courtney Goodman. Region two, and it gives their phone number and their email addresses here. So you can just pick out which region you're in. If you have a question, you can get help with that right here. Justin Hamilton, Jack Lee, Jane Wilson, and Courtney Goodman are who it lists mm-hmm. yep. for the four different regions. Yep. Very good. As i going down my list, I was going to ask what else is going on, and that would be one of those things. So, Lee, what do you got going on right now? Um,
0: Well, I'm writing some stories. Uh, I'm getting caught up. You know, I've been, been out of pocket a little bit from some health problems.
1: I will but, say you sound a lot more energetic than you did. Well, I mean, I feel a lot better.
0: My God, dude, I couldn't walk from one end of the house to the other without taking a nap. I mean, it was,
1: <laughs> it was no good. So
0: I'm in the hole big time, and I'm digging like crazy to get out. A uh, waterfowl guide will be coming out, probably be posted within two weeks on the uh, website. Uh, we no longer print a paper one, so when we don't print a paper dove guide, they're all online now, that'll be coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, just finished the hybrid piece that you and I did, yeah. uh, use some quotes from you. No, I'm gonna have to uh, look appreciate it, up. it Yeah. Do what? I'm gonna have to look at that. Well, i probably, i probably, I may call you and go over some things, make sure you're comfortable with it. Yeah, that's the cool. Next couple of days. Yeah. Um, and then I'm cranking everything out, and then I'm, now I'm buried in a hole, and I'll be digging till next probably 2022. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so thankful to be back digging that you won't hear no complaints from me.
1: That's good. Yeah. The one thing, I always, the only thing that makes me nervous about the, the hybrid piece and the reason I have a hard time like pointing people to go to the falls is just because it's so dang dangerous.
0: I talk about that. It's like, don't bring yeah. an aluminum boat here. It's dangerous. <laughs> do it's a quagmire. I mean, and I talk also about that's been dangerous for millennia. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, of Louisville is. They've tried to bring boats through the falls, and when it was high, they tried to. The, my granddaddy said, and he used to take me down there all the time. He said after the Kentucky shoot, like basically where the lower dam is, that was the big eddy and the little eddy because it would come off all that and there'd be swirls and those boats would smack. Some of the steamers would hit their paddle wheel and be out or other boats would bust a hole and they'd get in that eddy and they would start going around in circles and then it'd sink. He said there was a bunch of wrecks at the bottom.
1: Of That's the what way. makes it so dangerous is that yeah. water flows in all different all ways. All different directions and, and like that
0: day we went, remember it was like 25, 25, 25, 3. Remember we went up on that shelf? Oh, yeah. That's over as we were heading up toward the upper dam? At this time of year, man, you it's amazing
1: how quickly that depth will change. It it's not yeah. just that, but do you remember that day we were out there? We started fishing the lower dam, and they were running four feet, and we ran up top for 45 minutes, came back down, they were running like eight. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, And I've been out there on a kayak before where I beach my kayak, and and they crank that dam up, and you kind of sit there, and you're like, oh go. go. Not too much, not too much. Yeah, <laughs> I just keep it manageable. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, but,
0: but yeah. I, I do want to be careful, you know. Yeah. A place for a I mean, go even, with someone who knows what they're doing. You say that it changes a lot in the fall, you need somebody who's experienced or a life check. and even yeah.
2: bank fishing.
0: Like,
1: yeah,
2: if you get out in that swift water too far,
1: oh, yeah. um, there's a guy last year who was bank fishing and drowned down there. And yeah, that happens. I mean, that's you just got to be safe, you know, yeah, and you know, got to be safer in areas where you know, less predicti- less predictability.
0: Yeah, I've I talked about that, but I'm add a little bit more
1: safety. So that's what you have coming up. And let's see the show this weekend. We are uh, deer hunting, we are dove hunting, and we are doing a uh, how to European mount. That's the third, that's cool. a rerun, like I was talking about earlier. It's a how to do a European mount. Segment that we did in the uh, last year, but it's you know relevant because muzzleloader season's coming up and the modern firearms, so some people might need to know that. Mm-hmm. So just trying to keep people up to date with the information they might need. But the deer hunt is our first uh, first deer of this year. It's an early season hunt, fairly early season. in September, but that was a, a good fun hunt. And uh, dove season was an opening day dove hunt. We've had so much going on with the show. You know, we get preempted by KT occasionally for national programming and things. We had a, one or two of those take place and then we did a live show um, to kind of help get mm-hmm. the word out about CWD yeah. and that's on YouTube if anybody wanted to go back and visit that they might have missed it so we're kind of getting to some of these September segments that deer and that dove a little bit later than we'd like to but we're getting them out there yeah, and it's a no stunning, great time to deer hunt and most of the strategies are not too much different. No so. doubt. I think yesterday was the last day of our early dove season wasn't it? I think our no early, our, I think it's October no, no, 24th. It's October yeah you're right I, I have it right here I probably should just look.
0: Twenty um,
1: fourth or twenty sixth. Do do do. Last day of early dove is the twenty sixth, and okay. then it comes back in later on. So yeah, still some okay. time to get on dove hunt. I think people overlook this time of year to dove hunt a lot. Well, a
0: lot of people overlook the second and third seasons. They can be yeah. great if you can find if you can find buck birds. You yeah. can hammer
2: them. Like cut cornfields and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've hammered them before in the third segment we filmed. uh, on pigweed,
0: the, uh the very
1: last day of season. Pokeberry. Sometimes some of
0: those fields of pigweed and pokeberry will have a ton of doves in them.
2: Would you would you all hunt them over?
0: Hip, hip,
1: yeah, yeah, and it was good. Yeah, no okay. doubt, all those seeds, no bad. Oh yeah, but it's just like a lot of those plants. You know, just the smaller the seeds, the better. So, Rachel, I had your business card here. One of them, it's actually Suki's business card. <laughs> yeah it's
2: we have a business card but we're not a business we don't charge (laughs) yeah yeah so i
1: I tried to pay you last time like gas money or something i feel like you know but so we have uh not a business card but a informational card here and you have suggestions for hunters so last thing we'll do before we head out uh on two days before muzzler comes in is give your one two three four five six i'm gonna add a seventh okay well let me do these six and you have Let,
2: let me let me start with
1: mine okay well do you know these by heart no I can't remember. Well, I said one of them earlier without even uh, knowing it. Yeah, I just I I said it and then I looked at your card and I was like, well, that's exactly what I just said.
2: My first recommendation is to figure out who your local tracker is and get in contact. Have their number ready.
1: Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the one that you would add. Is yeah. lo- and how, how would somebody, if they wanted to know who their local tracker was, how would somebody figure that out?
2: Uh, UnitedBloodTrackers.org.
1: Okay. I and, and out. There's actually a list on there? Uh-huh. You
2: can go to find a tracker through, through any state where it's legal for tracking, which almost all
1: states are now. So that's where the certification is, UBT certified. So yep. you're going to be able to find any UBT certified trackers in your area. Mm-hmm. And so how do you do that? When you set yourself up on there to be a resource on the website, do you give like a region or a list of counties or a distance from home?
2: I, I have like for, i think there's like three zip codes i can list that are close to me but um i travel I, I think the furthest i've been this year is like an hour and a half from my house okay so if i'm going that far and i don't know the person usually i ask them to like help me out with gas money
0: but yeah um
2: i don't char- charge a fee some trackers do which my
0: gas money fee is 350 <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: some trackers do charge and like i i mean I think it's I've hard.
1: seen I think I've seen prices before, like people who do do it, um, you know, and charge. That's like a hundred dollars to come out, and if we recover, like an extra charge on top of that, like yeah. for recovery. Or yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: like I think even <clears> charging like it's really hard. Like if you're training dogs, like as as much as Nat, Natalie and I did in the off season, you're not gonna. Yeah. Make. You're not gonna make a living doing this. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It's just for fun. Yeah, I like just, doing it. Yeah.
1: So that one you just said, know who your local tracker is, and you can look that up on unitedbloodtrackers.org mm-hmm. and put in your zip code and they'll yep. give you a list of them so here's the ones that you do have written down when in doubt back out i knew i that might be something you stole from somewhere else because i, you I
2: always see that yeah,
1: yeah. I, i've heard that before uh, make a note of the shot angle location and reaction to the shot which we'll is i do. mean
2: ha- what the deer does
1: yeah i know, know oh, what the deer i was pumped does. up i was pumped <laughs> i was fist pumping.
2: well most of the time people <laughs> are fist bumping they're like i don't remember yeah so pay attention until the deer's out of sight
1: Yeah, that's you know, that's this year with me with that deer that I had you come out and and help me with or try to help me with, it was I was second guessing myself after after the fact, so just paying attention. But I you know, I knew in my mind I was just losing confidence in myself and what I'd seen. But you know, that mule kick's always a nice thing to see, but if they just buckle up and run, hunt, you know, you can tell a lot from the hit. And even if the person hunting doesn't necessarily know what the hit was, if they can describe it to you then it's pretty easy for somebody with a lot of experience to tell you what you probably hit. Yeah. Yeah. Based on the reaction. Third one is um, mark the hit site, your trail and last blood. You use toilet paper for that.
2: Yeah, I'm a toilet paper girl. Yeah. Just easy. We Mm -hmm. can see it at dark. Um,
1: So you take literally a roll of toilet paper with you and and as you're doing a blood trail, you'll just tear off a piece of toilet paper and and set it every mm -hmm. so often, like wrap it around a branch or a twig or something, Mm -hmm. because you can easily come back through and see that with a flashlight, or you can see it in daylight. And then also toilet paper, I mean, if you don't go back and get it, it's probably going to dissolve on its yeah, own. No
2: it's about biodegrad- don't You're not littering.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to so. be gone in a day or two. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. first rain. I'm a toilet
2: rain. paper person. Yeah, for sure. I think for hunters too. Um, yeah,
0: toilet paper works better than corn cobs. I found. <laughs> yeah. Um, so,
2: yeah. Uh, for hunters too, like it's really easy in the dark to think it's going to be easy to get back to a certain spot, even with GPS. Like. Even with the best GPS, it doesn't always take you back to the exact spot. So you gotta mark it with something you can physically see, and a stick is never a good idea. Yeah. Um I mean, if if you gotta take clothing off and hang it in a tree. Do tray, you remember
1: what I did this year? Do that. To mark my last blood.
2: No. I, it was right. a
1: bottle cap. Yeah. Was like, that oh, wasn't a
2: good idea either. Chase, yeah, but yeah. we did find it.
1: Yeah, it was like it'd probably be easier just to find <laughs> the blood. <laughs> no doubt. No, Than bottle cap. Yeah. No doubt.
2: No. Yeah, clothing. Um, just not sticks not something you're going to normally see in the woods it's just really hard to find that especially if you're tracking at nighttime. Mm -hmm. so
1: (laughs) yeah another one is get permission asap to cross property lines Mm -hmm. but i mean that might be an issue might not depending on where you're hunting size of the property things like that but most people i've found if you're telling them that you're just trying to go recover most people are pretty willing to work with you on that Mm -hmm. you know i'm sure that there's been a couple people in history who are going to be you know a little bit of a you know, aren't so helpful. <laughs> but I, I found that if you talk to people and you just tell them, hey, what the situation is and you ask them for permission and most people are going to be willing to do that. And but a way to get permission to cross those property lines on X is extremely helpful, right? Does the department still have the, the promotion with on X going on?
2: That the the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife Foundation does. Okay. And it's a discount code Hunt Kentucky. It's like twenty percent off Hunt yeah. KY
1: Hunt KY. You put so right now on, and I think I saw. You can go to the foundation's Facebook page, the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife Foundation's Facebook page, and they were promoting it there. So if somebody doesn't have on X, they've been like, "Well, I've been meaning to get it." Well, you can save twenty percent right now using that code. So cool. I would check that out. That's a because it's a really really good resource for <clears throat> public land, private land hunting. I mean, all of them. It's really useful. Do not grid search. You okay. Explain that one to me.
2: So especially if you don't, or you're not seeing any more blood. So there's like always this thing where like you shoot a deer and you're like super pumped. So you want like all your buddies to come out and like walk with you in the woods. Yeah. I don't recommend that, yeah. I'd say like one or two. Um, because if you get to last blood and you continue to walk past it, especially if you've been walking on scent, which may not be blood. It could be hair, fluids we can't see, whatever else. Um, it's like walking through wet paint. So it makes it extremely hard for the, the dog. So I think grid searching should be your last option after a dog.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So give the dog ample opportunity to come out, look for that deer without scenting conditions, being jacked up. And then if the dog can't locate your deer, then grid search. Well, I
1: kind of think that falls right back into the first one, when in doubt back out. Because if you find if you get hit last blood and you walk 20 yards and you're not seeing anywhere, well, you're just confused, you're lost on where it is, that's when you're in doubt. Yeah. Or you should be, you know? So yeah. that's when you should back out. But mm-hmm. Just walking all over the property could be a bad idea. Yeah. And then the last one is call or text and send pictures. So yep. take mm-hmm. pictures. you like pictures of, uh, of like, I sent you a couple pictures of the blood I was finding. Mm-hmm.
2: I like pictures of blood. That doesn't usually tell me personally a whole lot. I mean, I, I want pictures, as many pictures as you can have. Air Like, if you're bow hunting, bunch of pictures of your arrows, obviously, or your arrow. Don't clean it off want pictures of that want yeah. you to smell it tell us what that smells like mm-hmm. nice. um and then um like if you find w- like a wound bed or anything else we would want mm-hmm. pictures of that so
1: so those are the tips for people hitting the woods for muzzleloader this weekend or if you're archery hunting yeah what i'll be doing and good mm-hmm. luck yeah i appreciate you guys coming on i think we ran through everything right yep. it's deer season gave some um, harvest numbers maybe some reasons for that Uh, Looking at the weather coming up, a few places and things to think about if you're going deer hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, cover the CWD surveillance zone, things that you need to know.
0: Hunter Ed videos.
1: Hunter Ed videos. Uh, Fishing is supposedly on fire right now. I wouldn't know because I've been in a deer stand every day. Yeah, I'm looking to find out real soon. But fishing is not a bad idea or option right now at all. Trout stocking. Starting, it looks like next Tuesday, mm-hmm. and they're stocking really heavy for the next couple weeks. So, maybe look for a place you can go do that or check out the stocking schedule. Yep, know what you got coming up on the magazine, we know what the show's got coming up, and like we said, we got the hunter ed videos and information out there. So, I think good we're deal. good.
0: All right, good luck, everyone. Appreciate yeah. you guys
1: coming by. Have,
0: have hunting. great hunting, have great fishing. It's a yeah, great yeah. time of year to be alive. Amen. October is my favorite month. Oh, it is, it's fantastic.